to you by the Lenexa Arts Council and features a variety of musical and small theatrical acts. Coming up on February 11th at 6.30 p.m. is Forrest Kinsey, a critically acclaimed comedian and filmmaker. The performances can be found at Lenexa City Hall, 17101 West 87th Street Parkway in Lenexa. The Unicorn Theater presents Refuge now through February 12th. With original music and dynamic poetry, this bilingual production follows a teenage migrant's journey across a challenging and mystical desert on their quest to find new life in America. Refuge contains adult subject matter and is recommended for ages 16 and over. You can check KKFI's Arts KC Go page for showtimes. The Unicorn Theater is at 3828 Main Street, KCMO. For more information on these and the many events that have been recently added, go to kkfi.org slash artskcgo. This is Maria Vasquez-Boyd, and you're listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Wednesday, everyone. It's time for Arts Week Radio on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. I'm Maria Vasquez Boyd, and we're going to be spending the whole hour with you from noon to one. And uh, yeah, we have a great lineup of guests, so stick around. We've got Carmen Epright, Vanessa Reyes, and Dave Dalton. Um, our, uh, we want to wish Lee Smalter a speedy recovery, not feeling well today, and so we'll have you on again next time. But uh, Stick around.
you're listening to an excerpt from Project Harmony, KC, performing live at Kaufman Center for the Future Stages in 2022. We want to introduce our guest, Vanessa Epright, who's the Director of Programming, Harmony Project, and Vanessa Reyes, Harmony Project alum volunteer. Did I see... Carmen. I meant Carmen. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to talk about Project uh, Harmony Project KC. Uh, for over 80 years, the Northeast Community Center has served Kansas City's historic Northeast, the city's immigrant and refugee hub. Now, their vision is that in a neighborhood of 25-plus languages spoken, cultural differences and challenges, music is the universal language. So Harmony Project KC, their flagship program is Harmony Project KC. They're this creative youth development program harnesses the transformative, uh, transformative power of music to increase access to higher education for underserved students by removing systemic barriers to achievement through academic and social support. It is an evidence-based intensive music and mentorship program creating an orchestra of diverse young people in Casey's Urban Core. They provide 325 students ages 5 through 18 with intensive orchestral music education delivered through leveled instrument classes, ensemble rehearsals, chamber music programming, performance opportunities, private lessons, and workshops. We're so happy to have you on board with us today, Carmen and Vanessa. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, and you yeah. said it all beautifully. Well, I tell you what, uh, my, I first became aware of your organization through my daughter, who's a, a teacher at a school in the Northeast. Mom, you've got to get these people on the program, Harmony Project, um, KC, and they're just wonderful. They work with my students, and they're very, uh, they're such a great organization. You've got to have them on. Then she invited me to a, a concert, a winter concert at uh, University Academy Auditorium in December. I was blown away. You're, you're working magic there. Tell us more. Well, it is not us necessarily. <laughs> it is music and the research, the published research with Harmony Project students and with music students in general that shows that if students learn how to play a musical instrument at least for two years or, of course, more, but just for two years, the structure of their brain changes neurologically, so they become better listeners, they become better readers, they become better learners. And so 90% of students improved focus and discipline through music instruction. It is really simple. The fact that they can tap to a steady beat is correlated, correlated to the fact that they can read by grade level when they're in third grade, which is the threshold. Wow. And so if they can do that, they're not reading to, they're not learning to read, they're reading to learn. And so their academic achievement improves, 73% improves academic achievement, 71% improved family communication. This is published research with Harmony Project students. 95% of students attend college. Vanessa mm. here is living proof. And that is the ultimate goal of Harmony Project, which started in LA and Laura Schultz um, brought it, brought the vision to um, start it here at the Northeast Community Center in Kansas City. We started in 2015 with 33 students. Wow. Now we have over 325. 180 of them are going three times a week, including weekends, to the Northeast Community Center, and the other 145 of them um, 
receive music instruction through partnerships that we have through either Whitley, Phyllis Whitley Elementary School, Holiday Montessori, and Garfield Elementary. You know what what I was struck with when I attended this this concert was that the dedication and the, the intense focus that each of these students, these musicians, uh, shown. You know, and it was just amazing because you know, at that age, at a young age, you know, a lot of times your your attention level is, is just all, all over the place. But it was very focused and very in tune with one another, mm-hmm. um, you know, watching and listening. And it was just a wonderful program uh, of musicians. You know, and there were a lot of different groups that, that, were, that performed, um, Symphonia Ensemble, the Saxophone Quartet, and, and more. Uh, we're talking to uh, Carmen Epright, who's the director of Programming Harmony Project, and Vanessa Reyes, who's here as Harmony Project alum and volunteer. Tell us, Vanessa, uh, sort of your experience. What would you gain from being uh, in Harmony Project? So I joined Harmony Project when I was 12 years old. Um, I always wanted to play an instrument, but the school that I was attending, they, they didn't have any programs like that or anything. So then when we heard about Harmony Project, I was I was so happy and we joined and I learned how to play the viola and I played for about uh, eight years. Mm-hmm. And I, because of Harmony, I was able to join the high school orchestra and then I was able to do competitions and districts through them. Um, I think the most important thing that you know Harmony sh- gave me was the support that I needed and uh, all the teachers, they were so kind, they were so um, motivating, they wanted to help you, they wanted to give you this amazing experience that I, and I wouldn't have never got that without Harmony. I love that. Well, and I know that a, a lot of the, the artists, the teachers are performing artists, musicians themselves, uh, so they have they understand uh, sort of the performance aspect and what each student needs to know in the world of music and the language of music, I should say. And the goal of Harmony Project is not for our students to become music majors necessarily. Mm -hmm. If they would like to pursue that, great. Um, The goal is to help them, most of them are first-generation college students, help them go to college. We have our Path to College program that um, we do in partnership with Hispanic Development Fund where we have an on-site college advisor and we give students and their families resources for access to higher education. And we also have a board-designated scholarship. So if a student is a Harmony Project student, at least three years before their high school graduation, they would be eligible. There are some requirements, of course, but they would be eligible for um, one of our scholarships so that they can go to college. Um, Our college advisor, she's fabulous. She helps students with FAFSA applications, scholarship um, applications, everything, um, college tours. We um, involve the parents in workshops and the process of going to college, which can be very daunting for parents and their families, financial aid, et cetera. We try to be there and provide that support so that the students can go to college and pursue any degree with the hopes that because they've been musicians, they can transfer everything they've learned from music, collaboration, respect, teamwork, accountability, perseverance, hard work to their lives, to their schools, to their college, to their relationships, and to everything else which they are already doing. I love that. 
you would share with us uh, the website and social media contact, because as we're talking, I'd like for listeners, I invite listeners to to join us um, in, by finding out more information about you, because this is really such a, a viable and wonderful gift, I think, to the community. Sure. Our Facebook, if you just type Harmony Project, we have a Facebook account, an Instagram account. Our website is N-E-C-C dash kc dot org because we're the flagship program of the Northeast Community mm-hmm. Community Center. So N-E-C-C dash kc dot org. And there's information about Harmony Project there. You know, uh, there's just so much to talk about. Um, I want to sh- uh, share with you that uh, the enrollment priority is given to students that live in the seven neighborhoods of the historic Northeast, followed by other students that live in the Kansas City Public School boundaries. Um, Harmony Project KC students come to the community center from 51 different schools, and that that is the Northeast, uh, yeah, Northeast Community Center. That all the yeah. So again, 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 out of our 325 students that we have right now, 180 come three times a week to the Northeast Community Center. So two weekdays for instrumental instruction and a weekday for large ensemble instruction out of those 180 they those come from around 50 different schools and then with our partnerships with phillies whitley holiday montessori and garfield elementary we just go to those schools because those many kids couldn't get to harmony project because parents work they have transportation issues and we still want to make sure that the kids Mm -hmm. receive the program so when we can have partnerships with schools and KCPS and Link, et cetera, and we can make that happen. We go during their school day or after school, we bring Harmony Project to them, but we also include them in our activities at the Northeast Community Center as much as we can. We also have a music therapy program called Harmony Together, which has been extremely successful with our students. And we have initiatives, very creative, um, but initiatives that focus on confidence, building self-esteem, intrinsic motivation, just having that safe space to talk to certified Mm -hmm. music therapists about the challenges of being teenagers, you name it. And it's been also um, a wonderful addition to our program. Very, very good. I know that when we spoke earlier in the green room, you mentioned that there is a waiting list, that even my two-and-a-half-year-old would have to be on the waiting list now. And most uh, likely she would be ready when... Her name came up. Yes, our waiting list yeah. keeps growing. Yeah. Right now it's at 80 students, mm-hmm. even though we've enrolled around 60 just this year. Um, I just think there's a need. I Absolutely, think there's, yeah. yeah. And so the the changes we see with the students are extraordinary. We were When we started this, we thought, well, it'll take two, three, four years to see any change. Within less than a year, we were seeing changes not only on how they interacted with them, with one another, but their grades, students getting out of IEP in their schools, mm, mm-hmm. students diagnosed with ADHD, and how music had helped tremendously, confidence, self-esteem. It's just, it's just beautiful. Whatever. Um, and there's this 10-year study at Brown University that shows that art-based programs proved to have more powerful results than sports or community-based programs just because of the nature of music education. And so it's really been a joy and a privilege to to watch. You know what I was really struck by when uh, I attended the, this concert uh, last month, uh, and it was in a 
very big venue and a big stage at University Academy. Every seat was filled. This tells me that not only are their families vested in this program, but they enjoy the, the fruits of their children's labor too in terms of you know pride and discipline and everything that it takes to, to learn and, and practice music. Would you agree, Vanessa? Yes, I yeah, would. And yeah. I think even the community is invested. And even if they don't have kids in the program, everybody wants to go to see, like, how is Harmony doing? How What kind of concerts are they putting on now? How have they grown? It's amazing because we have, like, kids. And my, my class that I volunteer for is, uh, they're, they're about 10. So it's so fun working with 10-year-olds. And then you have middle school and high school. And it's really awesome that we, are, we you guys get to see us grow up, too. So, so as a volunteer, what is your role? I mean, I'm sure there's several things that, that you do, but what is your uh, role as, as a volunteer? I'm, I, so I primarily am a teacher's assistant, and so I work with uh, the, the violas, like, first level. Uh-huh. And I just work with them to learn how to read, read music, mm-hmm. and then play music, identify music notes, and help them. Uh, just like with the very beginning and it's great it's so amazing to watch kids learn and how I was in that position and kind of thinking like how can I help them like they I was in their position not that long ago well and I think that's an inspiration to them because uh, being uh, closer to their age and Mm -hmm. having gone through their program you know what they're experiencing yep in so many ways right how many different volunteers do you have with the organization? Are you looking for more? And what are your needs in, with Harmony Project? Well, we have two types of volunteers mainly. Our parent volunteers, mm-hmm. um, which is mainly project-based. So if we have some sort of large project, say reorganizing our music library or organizing our instrument storage closet or things like that, that we feel we can delegate or even counting strings, sometimes making snacks, field trip chaperones, we rely mostly on parent volunteers. Mm. And as our students grow, because we started eight years ago with Vanessa and her generation, and now they're off to college, and now we have more juniors than seniors. As they grow, they are more in need of community service hours. So we Mm. also provide those um, opportunities for our students so that they, they do their community service hours with us, if possible. And so that the younger generation of students see that, oh, wow, when I'm a senior, I can do that. So, um, yeah, we're always in need of volunteers to donors, um, people coming to our concerts, just to spread the word out that, that we are there. I know that uh, you mentioned some of the other programs that, that you have within Harmony Project KC. I want to mention the CARE Services, which is your initiative to support the well-being of young musicians and their families. It's built through a family advocacy and empowerment model uh, that you facilitate resource connections, programming, music therapy, and emergency assistance. And uh, Northeast Community uh, Community Center biling- Bilingual Supportive Services Manager connects families to community resources in the areas of early childhood, food assistance, health care, mental health support, housing, utilities, immigration, and more. There's, it, it's just a wonderful package that that you're offering the community and families yes um because we know that we want our students to be safe and to have their necessities be met so that they can focus on their music instruction 
Um, mm. And so we, well, well, the, yeah. the Northeast Community Center has always had the mission of helping immigrant families since the 1940s. And so it's been changing according to the times. And we are a nonprofit, so we have um, benevolence funds to be able to do that. So we just formalized it through what we call care services. And if families have any need from all the needs that you mentioned, um, gas, rent, um, cars, immigration assistance, um, referrals to other organizations like Samuel Rogers, etc. We make sure to make those connections and to help them with the funds that we that we have, so that our kids are well taken care of. Beautiful. We're going to take a real quick break, but we're going to be back with Artspeak Radio and Project or Harmony Project KC. We'll be right back. Stick around. Support for KKFI brought to you by the Jewish Community Center of Greater Kansas City, presenting the Broadway musical Kinky Boots with 11 performances between January 28th and February 19th at the Lewis and Shirley White Theater. For more information, including tickets and showtimes, visit thejkc.org or call the box office at 913-327-8054. This is Diana Lynn from the Tasty Brew Music Radio Show. On Friday, February 3rd, from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m., I'll be hosting a special four-hour Folk Alliance International Conference Takeover edition of the Tasty Brew. Scheduled to appear on air with me are Australia's Nick Vulture, Kansas City's Cameron Keeling, Nashville's Patterson Barrett, St. Louis's Beth Bombara, Mike McClure's new project, Crow and Gazelle, and Spain's Pipo Romero. That's a special four-hour edition of the Tasty Brew, Friday, February 3rd, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. on your community radio station, 90.1 FM, KKFI. Artspeak Radio here. I'm Maria Vasquez-Boyd on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Great to have you aboard. And today we're talking to Carmen Epright and Vanessa Reyes. Carmen is the Director of Programming for Harmony Project Casey, who's also a musician and educator with 20 years of experience and a passionate advocate for equity and accessibility in the arts. Seeing the need to make music education accessible, Carmen received Master's in Education Policy at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. She came to Kansas City in 2014 to co-launch Harmony Project KC. Now, as the founding program manager, she has seen the show, she has seen the program grow and thrive. She took a hiatus in 2018 to start a family, but returned to the program in 2022. We're so happy that, that you did that, and we're so happy that you're here with us today, Carmen. Thank you, Maria. I am a musician myself. Yeah. I'm a pianist. I still don't understand why I started a strings program (laughs) if I'm a pianist. We needed that. We needed that. But I come from Peru, which is a developing country Mm. where, and even to an extent here, music is considered a luxury. Isn't it? Yeah. And at some point, I just thought, why? Why is this a luxury? Why am I just giving piano lessons to students who can afford it? And in some cases, just not value it versus students who would really, really would like to have the opportunity and just don't have the access. So then I thought, well, I have to do something about it. There's enough pianists in the world. (laughs) And so I wasn't that good either. So I was like, let's just do something else. And then um, 
I just landed in at Harvard School of Education and I thought, what, what am I doing here? How is this gonna, what am I gonna do next? And so what happened was that Margaret Martin, Dr. Margaret Martin, the founder of Harmony Project LA, went to Harvard to give a lecture on the research that I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. um, in, in, in partnership with North, Northwestern University and all the data about how music changes your brain, how the students were doing this, this, that, and how, you know, specifically related to Harmony Project LA students. So I sat down with her and I said, this is just fascinating. I want to do something like this. And then she says, well, somebody in Kansas City, Laura Schultz, our Harmony Project Kansas City founder, um, wants to start a Harmony Project in Kansas City because they have affiliates throughout the nation. Mm -hmm. And so she connected both of us and we just started. But it, you know, it's such a gift, the gift of music, the the ability to share your gift of, of knowledge and what you know about music and, and notes and uh, performance and all of that is such a gift to that individual. I and I and I speak of this because when I was a kid in fourth grade, the the Kansas City uh, Philharmonic came to our school and performed. I was blown away. It's like I want to be a part of this. And you give that opportunity to students uh, like Vanessa, who I, I should say, Vanessa Reyes, who is um, not only alum, but also a volunteer with uh, Harmony Project Casey. Uh, you're currently at Penn Valley. Yes. And you were a Lincoln Prep alumni. And when you were 11, you learned how to play the viola, which is pretty amazing because mm-hmm. viol- violas are a little bit larger than a violin. Yes, I so. wanted to be unique. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I love that. it's just like Miss Carmen said. We didn't have those opportunities in our community to learn how yeah. to play an instrument. And so when I joined Harmony, I was so excited. I, I said I wanted to learn more. And so not only were we doing choir on Saturdays, mm-hmm. they started, they did a temporary music theory program. And I oh was my. so happy we were learning yeah. music theory. Well, what else can we do? I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to start learning how to play the piano. So they found a way for me to learn piano. And then after that, it's like, well, I want to I want to go to college. Well, we're going to help you. How how can we help you apply to college and do all of these things wow. that my family didn't know how to do? And they just found me these resources. You know, again, you know what a great opportunity for the community and for individuals like yourself mm-hmm. and and you know, in turn it just makes us better citizens of the world. And to instill right? this mindset of giving back to your community. Yeah. And so Vanessa is giving back to her community by mentoring our younger students. And our teachers are giving back to their community mm-hmm. by, yes, they have their private studios. Yes, they have their, their performances as, as musicians. But by teaching our students, they also give back because otherwise our students wouldn't have the amazing teachers that we are so lucky to have. And so this, it's just a a circle that goes on and on. And the more we expose our students and our community to it, the more it keeps happening. You know, and if if I could, if you would mention again the the website for our listeners. www.necc-kc.org. And at this time, I wanted to talk about uh, upcoming events that you have scheduled. I know there's there's a few things that I have on, on my page, but um, one thing I think is really fun, Stringo, a musical twist on bingo. How fun. How fun is that? Yeah, our students are going to perform um, oh tunes gosh. that 
you know people would normally recognize and it's just bingo music with a musical twist the date has has been changed to friday april 14th okay and we'll post the details um on our website so this is a fundraiser for harmony project kc and it's going to be it will take place at the northeast community center which is located at 544 wabash avenue in the northeast uh, area of kansas city and you can find more information again uh, through the website. Also, uh, another event that's coming up. Um, uh, well, I'm going to talk about the Harmony Project KC concerts and partnership with Harriman Jewel Series. Uh, that is, let's see, with renowned violist Jordan Back, who will play last year and HP KC. Harmony Project KC ensembles for your spring concert at the Folly, right? Yes, May 20th, wow. we have our spring concert, and Jordan has graciously agreed to do that. And then on May 21st, Harriman Jewel has the Discovery Series concert, which is why Mr. Jordan Back is coming to Kansas City. And so some of our students are going to perform one piece with How him. How cool there. is that? Wow. Well, and not only is that just wonderful in itself, but then to be to play on stage at the Folly, I mean. Well, yeah, we yeah. they have a Metzler Copen. I can't remember the name exactly, but there's an initiative where the Folly, um, it's basically yeah. like a grant where you can get to perform. And the importance of giving our students amazing performance opportunities, we we try to make that a priority. We've had our students play at Arrowhead Stadium with the Royals. Um, Yo-Yo Ma came to oh, visit man. our program in 2018. Bring him we've back. played alongside <laughs> with the Kansas City Symphony. Yeah. We've played at the Gem Theater. So as much as we can provide those performance opportunities, that those are the things that they will remember and that will keep motivating them. And you, I'm sure, Vanessa, have quite a few memories of, yes, of some of those experiences, mm -hmm. right? I met Yo-Yo yeah. Ma. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. We, you know, we took pictures. He played for us. I remember the first time we played at the Kaufman Center with the, with the symphony. And then future stages. We've been oh, doing yeah, future yeah, stages yeah. for four or five years mm -hmm. now. And that's a beautiful venue on stage. As, as you had sent me a couple of links, one is on, at uh, Kaufman on stage and the other one was a, another song that was written original song right that was for our may 2022 performance yeah. at paseo academy we commissioned a piece it's called looking for harmony by composer raimundo pineda to honor laura schultz our harmony project founder i really enjoyed that because not only was it a musical piece but it also uh, brought in a, a younger group of children who were singing Yes. and clapping and those are our musicianship students I when they come that. to us they start with musicianship like the basic fundamentals of music for either six months or a year depending on their age and they sing they play minor percussion instruments boom whackers so they they still learn how to read music yeah. how to play in an ensemble and then they're ready to get their real instruments when they graduate from musicianship. And I, I liked seeing that in the program because you sort of see this development of, you know, very young, you know, early learners uh, in music to the more seasoned uh, musicians. Yes. And it was great to see that. Yeah. Is there anything that we've left off that you want to mention at this time before we, we uh, move forward? 
I'm going through my papers. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I want to just give out another shout out to Laura Schultz because she started a scholarship and then I am, I am the first recipient of the scholarship. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's and, uh, wonderful. She's amazing. Yeah. She's the founder of Harmony, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here without her, right? Yeah. The Community Center has three different types of scholarships. One is the Northeast Community Center Scholarship that all seniors can apply, and there, the other one is um, the Laura Schultz Scholarship that Vanessa was talking about, and we only give one scholarship a year, and Vanessa was our first recipient. And we also have an instrument scholarship for music majors who would like to keep their instruments mm. to go to mm -hmm. college and pursue a college career. And so, yes, we have those three I types of scholarships. And, you know, that's something that I, that I forgot to ask, was that the instruments, are they given to the students, or do they, how is that arranged? We give them to the students. We have an instrument care contract. We have an orientation oh, okay. with their parents and their teachers. We teach them how to take care of their instruments. Good. And we have them take their instruments home so they can practice. So that responsibility and accountability is one of the um, most important elements that gives them ownership. Absolutely, I love that. Well, Carmen Upright, Vanessa Reyes, thank you so much for joining me today. You know what? I'm going to invite you back, both both of you back, and perhaps we can get a small group of students in here performing live, maybe in the summer. I don't know what's what school and everything, but Absolutely. What, do you, what do you say to that? That sounds yeah. amazing. I think yeah. they would really like that. Music to our ears. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you. Hey, and we're going to be right back with Artspeak Radio right after this. Hi, I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two, two takes in a movie currently playing in theaters or streaming. The Pale Blue Eye is a Netflix mystery thriller starring Christian Bale and Harry Melling as Edgar Allan Poe. This gothic suspense drama is based on the uh, 2003 novel by Lewis Byard. It boasts a great cast, an eerie atmosphere, and sharp period detail. It's a period piece with a murdered cadet in 1830s West Point Military Academy. The case involves particularly grisly cult-related murders, and Bale's character, a retired alcoholic detective, is recruited by the military brass to investigate. Cadet Edgar Allan Poe helps the detective, Christian Bale, find the killer. This is a slow, ponderous, gloomy film shot in the cold, dark winter. No light at night except for a multitude of candles. Christian Bale is one of our best actors, and he's fine here. But the most impressive performance comes from Melling, who's best known for playing spoiled brat Dudley Dursey in five Harry Potter movies. As Edgar Allan Poe, he's riveting. Harry Melling as Poe is such an odd-looking character with creepy intensity. I found his character enriching every scene he showed up. There's a big twist at the end with many questions answered, but I felt there was a gap or two in this puzzling plot. And they were doing so well, too. Susan, unfortunately, this movie goes completely off the rails in the final preposterous scenes. This is not a true story, except Edgar Allan Poe was a cadet at West Point. If you can forgive the finale, the pale blue eye is involving for most of its two-hour and ten-minute running time. I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two. Are you one of those people who thinks that the kids are lazy, that they can't get to work on time, no work ethic, are going to make the U.S. fall behind? 
Well, guess what? They say that about every generation. And so this week on the Heartland Labor Forum, we're going to bust the myth of lazy youth. Rather, we're going to let some of them do it and tell us about their values and work ethics and where they want to take our country. Tune in Thursday at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Friday at 5 a.m. Thanks for listening to KKFI. Be sure to like and follow your community radio station on social media at KKFI901FM. And thanks for over 33 years of support. And you're listening to Art Speak Radio. This is Maria Vasquez Boyd on 90.1 FM, KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. Up next, we have a really good friend in studio that we haven't seen in a while. Thanks, COVID. David. Dave Dalton of Hammer Space Workshop, which is home to Kansas City's awesome community of makers, crafters, and inventors. Yay, Dave, you're here. Good morning, Maria. Good to see you again. <laughs> oh, no kid, I tell you, this is so exciting. Hammer Space Workshop is, what, celebrating their 10th anniversary? Yeah, this, uh, depending on how you count, more or less, uh, <laughs> I think we can take like half a year off for COVID. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is our 10th year in business as Kansas City's makerspace. And we are excited that, A, we're still here. You know, when <laughs> when we started doing this, yeah. no one was sure about this new thing called makerspaces and whether or not they were going to still be around after a while. And here we are, you know, big, big, big names in the field are all gone. You know, Make, Make Magazine folded and then reopened. And yeah. our Maker Fair for Kansas City hasn't been put on in a few years now. But we're still here, and so we're real happy that uh, the spirit of creativity that's always been here in Kansas City is alive and well. Well, you know, Hammerspace Workshop serves to inspire people to create. Um, It's where you go to exercise your creativity. It's where you bulk up your knowledge and work out your designs, rip a board, sandblast a rusty tool, etch a circuit board, 3D print a missing piece, or build a robot lawnmower. Yeah. You can do all that. Uh, there's also wood and metalworking, silver and blacksmithing, welding, molding, casting, soldering, ele- electronics, robotics, rocketry, airbrushing, or just fixing a broken doohickey. You can learn to do it all yourself. I love this. And they are located at 5200 East 45th Street, Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, it, it's, it's wild. Ten years. It's been a good ten years. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, we yeah. grew from a very, very tiny location to our, our new home over on Emanuel Cleaver, where we feel like we have sort of a permanent base where folks who don't have access to tools at home can come and find the thing that they need to get that screaming creative monkey off of their back. I, I mean, that's that. the one thing that yeah. we all know we have in common. We try not to break screaming up our... Screaming monkeys. Yeah, well, it's, you know, <laughs> creative people tend to wander from one creative pursuit to another. Sure, so sure. We're, we're kind of, you know, constantly reinventing what we do to find dopamine for our creative brains. <laughs> and that. so we dive into sketching or 3D printing or woodworking with abandon. And, and then sometimes we discover that that wasn't what we were after. And so we end up with a garage full of half-used tools and abandoned projects that we entered into the big question mark zone where our ideas exceeded our knowledge. And that's where we kind of think the domain of the makerspace is because 
creative people are never going to stop being creative. It's what we oh, do yeah. to relax. And sometimes you find yourself in an apartment or in a situation where you don't have space for the types of tools that you need or the wrong power or running an air compressor in your tiny apartment is just not a reasonable thing. <laughs> um, and so going out to find a place where you can do all of that is what we're trying to provide. But what we really enjoy is the thing that we didn't ever design, which is our community of unexpected connections. Uh, Carmen mm -hmm. and Vanessa were talking about how important it was to connect older musicians to younger musicians so that there's that continuity where you get to learn from the folks who've been there and done that. And unfortunately, in the realm of making stuff in your garage, unless you've got a creative Uncle Leon or whatever, there's not necessarily someone there to hold your hand when you run into those obstacles. So, Well, but but for you, it wasn't your your Uncle Leon, it was your grandfather. Right? Yeah, it was. Can you tell us the backstory? Because I love this, and I never get tired of hearing it. And this is sort of what was a stepping stone, or he was sort of a stepping stone for you to continue what you do. Well, certainly an inspiration. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, in, in our family, uh, I've got artists and, and creatives on both sides with my parents. My dad's an, an interior designer with just years of, of fantastic drafting and designing and you know fantastic taste and design going into his work and my on my mother's side my grandfather and through my mother uh and all of her very very creative and complicated hobbies throughout the years I have inherited my grandfather's sense of you know keep it simple stupid and <laughs> what you ought to do you mm -hmm. see I think those were the two most common phrases I ever heard out of his mouth uh Sometimes both, both at once. What mm -hmm. you ought to do, you see, is keep it simple, stupid. And that's the best advice <laughs> mm -hmm. I have for anyone. Um, but no, he was an aeronautical engineer for TWA back in the Hughes era. So he used to be worked on the Super Constellation as one of its principal designers and oversaw the overhaul base out at TWA for a number of years. And when he retired, he spent his idle time designing a steam engine for his Ford Pinto, which he drove as his daily driver for about 10 years. So I got it in my head as a kid that when you had a, a crazy idea, you just went out to your garage and you built it. You didn't matter sure. how absurd it was. It was what, what you did for fun. And so the idea of getting your car to come to a boil for half an hour before you could go down to the store for eggs was his idea of a good time. And who am I to tell him no? So years later, when the idea of hackerspaces, which is what we used to call ourselves back in the good old days, were starting to be born with spaces like uh, the Chaos Computer Club in Berlin and uh, the Artisans Asylum and... Uh, you know, uh, Noise Bridge and all these other wonderful spaces, uh, creative people were getting used to meeting in virtual spaces and they were losing touch with that physical connection mm. so that all of the people with your weird hobby might be in six different countries. And you can share a lot about that, but there's things that you can only share in person. Sure. And so these spaces began to develop to gather these weird hobbies together under one roof so that people would have someone to talk to about their odd obsessions. And it grew from just community groups into physical workspaces that enabled those hobbies. And in each space, your makerspace grows to fit its community. Mm -hmm. 
there's maker spaces that are almost entirely, you know, RF radio nerds and other ones that are entirely based around 3D printing. Still others that are super wood working centric or ceramics centric or places that entirely focus on heavy industrial tools. And at, make, at, at Hammer Space here in Kansas City, we try and be a little bit of everything. We do everything from sewing and leather working all the way down to blacksmithing and silversmithing. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to tell you, we could do nothing but the blacksmithing and silversmithing recently, and it would make everyone happy with as really? much resurgence as we've had with those hobbies oh, over yeah, the past yeah, few years. Yeah, yeah. Blacksmithing is so hot right now, and it's difficult to find a place where you can find a hmm. you know a journeyman blacksmith and bladesmith to mm-hmm. train you in on this esoteric trade. And YouTube is not always the best way to pick up these sure, skills. Sure, sure. You know, um, with that, I also want you to talk about, uh, well, you have some upcoming classes like Welding for Everyone, uh, everyone, uh, where the instructor will cover basic welding techniques and very variety of useful welding methods and, and so on. Um, this is coming up, oh, January 25th. Yeah, we have uh, welding classes about twice a month. Mm -hmm. We've been doing that for nearly 10 years now as well. Welding is one of those skills that they want you to go to a community college and take an extended course or quit your career and Mm -hmm. begin to start Mm -hmm. a new career in welding after your, you know, 12 months in welding college or whatever it is. Um, But for most folks, that's not why they're wanting to learn to weld. They want to fix something or make something or build some art and you know if it's not structurally sound enough to drive a truck across it's not necessarily their primarily concern in that case so Mm -hmm. we think it's nice to have a hobby welding class that'll get people off the ground and working with these sorts of intimidating tools safely so that they can go on and and make mistakes cheaply and use the tools correctly to learn how to be better welders. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Welding for Everyone, January 25th, 6 to 9 p.m. at the new Hammer Space Community Workshop, 5200 East 45th Street. Um, and, and then I want to talk about another uh, class event that, that's coming up on January 28th, which is the Blacksmithing Forge Welded Tomahawk. So you'll explore the forge welding useful technique is the basis for all laminated steel projects, including pattern welded Damascus and Japanese-style folded monosteel. So, yeah, let's talk about that. Well, yeah, that's one of those things that's super hot right now. We have a a hydraulic forging press at the space that we use to make Damascus and to forge out heavier pieces of steel. Damascus is kind of a slang term for laminated layers of steel that have been welded together in a pattern using pressure and a great deal of heat. Um, So we take different types of steel, steel that might be really uh, high carbon steel and mix it with steels that have maybe a nickel content. And when we layer them up and press them together, you end up with a material that has layers with different properties. Hmm. So some of those properties might lend it uh, a shininess and other layers might give it a edge retention. And when put together, you have really great properties as well as a really attractive piece. It's primarily done for decorative purposes these days. This is one of those things that everyone is just fascinated by as soon as they see it. They want to fold steel, Mm, they want to build it into layers, and they want to make really artistic-looking pieces of metal. Unfortunately, the infrastructure for that is like, you know, easily $10,000 worth of stuff. 
to do it without a whole lot of shoulder power involved. Mm -hmm. And so that class is kind of our first step in getting people into a really fun hobby. I I have three or four uh, really capable smiths at the space now who have learned everything, who are now making their own Damascus on a regular basis. So this is the first step. Well, and, and I do want to mention to our listeners that, again, this is January 28th from noon to 4 o'clock. Um, actually, I take that back. Uh, it begins at noon on the 28th. This is a two-day class. Yeah, right? that's an all-weekend so class. We spend, yeah. uh, you know, about half the day on Saturday doing some forge welding mm-hmm. in a hot forge, bending all of our steel up and getting everything stuck together. And then day two, we do all of the shaping and refining and building a handle and, and doing all of that stuff. Well, and this is going to take place at Bartle Hall. At no, three. no, it's not. It's going to okay. be, it's going to be at the you're space. lying to me again, Dave. <laughs> no, no, it was a misprint. Um, <laughs> okay. It's been corrected. All right. All right. So where is it going to be at? It's going to be at Hammerspace Workshop. Sweet. Yeah, I, I kind of wondered about that. But but again, it is That's only when we're day. at Comic-Con. Uh, sometimes <laughs> oh. our, our database ate our, uh, <laughs> our ate our location on that one. So. I love it. I love it. Hammerspacehobby.com for more information. Let's talk about some of the memberships that you offer. And we can't give out prices, but you ha- also have, uh, like, phone numbers and all that because there's people that want to call about fabrication, shop questions, um, may want to know the office hours, member hours, and that sort of thing. So if we could go kind of through some of that. Well, you can find all kinds of information on our website, which is hammerspacehobby.com or hammerspaceworkshop.com. Either one will get you there. Uh, We offer the uh, access to laser cutting and CNC cutting and plasma cutting and other sorts of services that typically require going to a machine shop. And we can take your files directly and turn those into finished items. And so largely you can do that by going to our website and we have all kinds of uh, tools on there that will let you slice up uh, 3D models and see uh, what they'll look like when they're printed and that sort of thing. Uh, And then if you have questions for our staff, you can reach us through our email address, which is listed on our website. Yeah. You know, uh, I also want to mention that uh, the the Hammerspace Workshop is open uh, seven seven days a week, right? We are. We are. Our office is open from noon to – I mean, Mm -hmm. sorry, from 11 to 7 daily, uh, noon to 5 on Sundays. And, uh, you know, our fabrication staff is there to answer questions uh, during the weekdays. And on the weekends, it's typically just our teachers and teaching staff. Mm. Dave, what are you working on currently yourself? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> I, right now, actually, I've designed a few new tools for the uh, workshop. I just made a new little gizmo that grinds bevels on swords to make it easy for first-time blacksmiths to Mm -hmm. grind sword bevels, which is one of those really challenging tasks. Um, So that's kind of neat. We just made a few of those tools, and they seem to be working really well. Is that something you can copyright and and Um, It's something that we might produce as a product. Right now we're just making it internally so that we have it. I was just curious. But, yeah, no, uh, it's, it's cool enough that I'm debating the concept of probably making a kit so that people can make their own. 
That way I can make all of the complicated pieces and put them in a box and let them get the off-the-shelf stuff at their their own leisure. Mm -hmm. Most people who are bladesmiths who are going to want this sort of thing are handy and can put together a kit. So we've always kind of liked the kit model of products where we can get you the hard part and you can engage your maker gear and do the rest. Well, that's very kind of you. Absolutely. (laughs) So, and... Now that that's done, are you just focusing on helping others or working with others to to complete their projects? Or? Well, I do. I spend my days doing a whole lot of yeah. tool training out in the shop. We spend our time largely at Hammerspace, splitting it between teaching classes and teaching our members how to use the tools for the projects that they're currently engaged in. So we kind of treat tool training as an eat the elephant exercise where Mm. we just go slowly one bite at a time and so as people are building a doghouse or you know a cutting board or making their first blacksmith uh, knife or tool we will take them through the steps that they're going to need to go through uh, by using a button in our space that's the I need help buttons that we have throughout the the shop and a staff member comes out, shows them how to use the tool safely for the one task they're doing right now, which makes it a lot more approachable mm-hmm, as someone mm-hmm. who's unfamiliar with tools to get into the mix and just start working on a project and address the issues that you're going to encounter along the way so that you're not left to decide which would be the safe course of action or the best course of action from a position of being a novice. Wow. Yeah. Do you offer any open studios where where you just kind of kind of invite the public in to kind of look at your space and get them involved and get them sort of interested in, in becoming a member? We used to invite the public into our member meetings uh-huh. for our open houses, but after COVID, we mm. changed up our uh, our strategy on that a little bit, sure. and we started doing uh, just individual tours daily okay. uh, on a call-ahead basis. So if anyone wants to come down and check out the space, they can give us a call and come for a visit. Uh, we appreciate the call because sometimes members drop in on us unannounced with uh, busy projects that uh, take precedence over tours. So yeah, uh, but. We have 17,000 square feet of all kinds of tools to explore, so it's a great thing to come down and just take a look at all the creativity going on, and we encourage prospective members to do so. Well, I love that, that you're in this new space, but have you outgrown it? Because I know it's a fairly large uh, building that, that's on Cleaver Boulevard. Uh, is there room for growth in the, the, inside the building? Well, we have just about maxed out the interior of the building already. I can't believe it either. But we're looking at maybe building an exterior blacksmithy as an add-on to the building. Uh, We have had such success with our blacksmithing classes that we are looking to dedicate even more space to that. Mm -hmm. So we can make our, our classes a little bit bigger. And we thought it would be nice to move from a sort of cement garage-like space out to a nice purpose-built outbuilding with uh, plenty of grass and trees and breeze around it. When you're working with a hot forge, getting a little cross breeze and being out in nature sort of seems to work. So we have a great one-acre plot that's attached on our property that we're looking at maybe getting some permits to build over the next couple of years. Yeah, well, keep us posted because uh, that would be great. You know, it's just amazing how blacksmithing was just something of the past, and now there's just been a real renaissance with that. 
I credit a lot the, uh, you know, series of shows that we've had on television sure, that have sure. kind of heightened people's, you know, awareness of how yeah. much fun metalworking can be. Glass blowing, uh, all of that. Glass yeah, blowing yeah, yeah. shows, all of that. Uh, we, we get questions all the time about glass blowing. Folks, I wish we had a glass blowing studio. Um, yeah. if, if there's yeah. one in Kansas City, you'd probably do great. I get so many calls. Wow. Um, but it's Down the uh, road, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's so nice to see artists appear in this field. I was a product of an apprenticeship myself. I apprenticed to a blacksmith when I was 17. Mm-hmm. And I worked with Steve for five years until I was a, a journeyman smith. And it was right around that time one of our junior smiths burned our forge to the ground. Um, so both of us stopped working in the blacksmithing trade at the that? same time, right? <laughs> I know, with a candle of all things. Oh. I'm, I'm shaming you on the radio, by the way, if you're listening. Um, so uh, so once, uh, once that calmed down, uh, you know, he went on to other artistic trades. Mm. And he just shuffled off this mortal, mortal coil last year. Um, after after many, many years of being a crotchety old blacksmith. But <laughs> I thought it would be nice to uh, take a moment and say that, uh, that Steve uh, was a fantastic teacher and an inspiration to me to teach many, many, many new blacksmiths. And thanks, thanks to Steve, there are now probably four or 500 new blacksmiths in the world. Beautiful. So those Beautiful. are his kids out there, whether he knows it or not. Hey, Dave. Thank you so much. Dave Dalton with the uh, Hammer Space Community Workshop at 5200 East 45th Street. You know, I want to invite you back, and we're going to do like a a call-in show. People can call in and question, and you can answer. So we should have you back for that, yeah? That sounds great. Terrific. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us. Also, thank you to, I want to say thank you to Carmen Epright and Vanessa Reyes for joining us. Dave Dalton, always a pleasure. Next week, we have... Inglewood Arts will join us, Wolf Brack, and uh, you can join us too on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio, but stay tuned next for Jeff Harshberger, 1 to 3 Jazz Afternoon. Thanks so much for listening today, and I want to say, honey, I'm coming home.